Hello, I'm Steve Orchard. I hope you've had a good farming week. We'll get our usual sound agronomy advice from Sean Sparling and take a look at the markets with Kit Dickinson. A local cattle society is celebrating. We'll talk agriculture bill and improving yields. And if you're in Rutland, some good news if you're considering your agricultural education. The Week in Agriculture. This is the Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. First, let's get to this week's news. Newark livestock market remains closed following the council's termination of the lease of the current tenant over alleged rent arrears. This comes at a time when many such markets are struggling to keep their doors open to farmers. Most say they're losing money. One organisation that's been affected is the Lincoln Red Cattle Society and their 125th anniversary show was due to be held at Newark. Fortunately, they've found a new venue and I'll be speaking to their president, Chris Page, in a few few minutes. The government and four main mobile phone operators are to agree a deal to boost the countryside's poor and patchy cell phone coverage, and about time. Uh, the agreement is with EE, O2, 3 and Vodafone, but it won't matter which network you're with. Last week on the programme, Stuart Roberts, the NFU Deputy President, told us all about a march in London on the 25th to urge the government to back British farming and ensure standards are preserved for imported food produce post-Brexit. Concerns over coronavirus and its possible spread through large gatherings have meant that the rally has been postponed. The union said that it will be rescheduled for later in the year. And of course, we've had the first budget of the new government this week. What did it mean for us? Well, there was a collective sigh of relief that red diesel tax relief and agricultural property relief will both be retained. £5.2 billion was announced for flood defences and the new Chancellor, Rishi Sunak, unveiled a new £640 million Nature for Climate Fund to encourage peatland restoration and tree planting. It remains to be seen the role that farming will play within this. And there's a new £2 million fund as well to fight fly tipping, which will be welcomed. But will it be enough to make a difference? Now, the Lincoln Red Cattle Society celebrates a special year in 2020, one of the oldest of the UK's native breeds, of course. And the president of the society, Chris Page, joins me. Chris, give us a quick potted history of the society first, if you would. Well, the society is its 126th year this year um of of uh, the actual uh, Lincoln Red Cattle Society it broke away from the short on uh, society um like say 125 years ago it, it was formed um cattle now are ranging from one end of the country to the other they aren't just in Lincolnshire anymore um the quality of the cattle is Superb, really. Eating quality and show quality. Now, you've got a big show planned to celebrate the 125th anniversary of the Society. And that was at Newark Livestock Market this coming Saturday. Now, the market, as we know, at Newark is closed, at least temporarily. How easy was it to find a replacement, Chris? The hardest part was finding a market that's in a four-year TB. Everything else further down south seems to be in a one-year TB. Um, with 90% of our members still in a four-year TB. Um, Louth has stepped forward and um, offered us uh, their market, uh, and they've sort of bent over backwards to help us. Um, I can't praise them enough, really, for what they've done. I guess you were lucky to be able to get Louth, really, weren't you, at relatively short notice? 
We were very, very lucky. Um, the good thing about it is our sale was on a Saturday and Lauf don't hold sales on a Saturday. Um, so, like I say, it just sort of fell into place. And what can we expect at the show? Well, at the show, um, with 21 bulls, uh, 19 females. But we have um, a, a, a cattleman, Ian McMee, is quite a character. Everybody sort of knows him in the, in the cattle fraternity. Um, he suffered with cancer over the last 18 months. He's um, been operated on and he's got the old clear now. And him and Nick Barton have offered um, uh, a bullying heifer, um, which is going to be auctioned also with five straws of high-born virtue. These are going to be uh, often for sale, uh, auctioned, and the whole procedures will be given to charity, to the Western Park Cancer Charity, which is based in Sheffield. And what else does the Society have planned to celebrate the 125th anniversary, Chris? We've got shows and a lot of stuff going on throughout the year, with it being the 125th year. Uh, we have a herd competition later on in the year, which is, is from one of the of the country to the other um, and like I say things are looking very positive Well that's great news, thank you so much Chris Page President of the Lincoln Red Cattle Society that show will be going ahead at uh, Louth Livestock Market Saturday 21st of March from 10 in the morning Time for some sound agronomy advice as ever from Sean Sparling, morning to you Sean Yes, good morning to you, Steve. I have a very soft spot in my heart for Lincoln Red Cattle. My grandfather, Arthur Cartwright, um, after whom the Arthur Cartwright Memorial Shield is named, incidentally, farmed around Raithby, Spilsby in Lincolnshire there on top of the wolds. In fact, many, many generations of my family, Cartwrights and Chattertons, um, farmed out that way. There are seven generations of my family in Harrington Churchyard. So I grew up with Lincoln Red Cattle. Right from as soon as I could walk, I was out there with Grandpa in amongst them. They are the most wonderful mothers the most docile creatures and they taste good as well and you can't say that too loudly just in case they're listening and i know many of them do on a sunday morning so good morning reds and thank you very much for all you do for us so moving on to agronomy then what a week (laughs) i mean what a difference seven days makes Two weeks ago, you couldn't walk on some of these fields because they were like porridge. This week, we've got fields between Coningsby up to Gainsborough blowing because they're so dry. And that's because we've had something we haven't seen for nearly six months, which is a week of almost dry weather. I say almost. I've taken a bit of rain, but I've only taken five mils so far this month. And that is something we need to continue for the next few weeks because the drilling period is now concertinering. You know, the 7th of April, you get to that point, you're really getting plenty later enough to put spring wheat in the ground spring barley in the ground Um, and don't make the mistake people made off the back of 2018 with the wet autumn then they were drilling spring barley spring wheat crops into may and their cuckoo barley they just don't finish and they don't yield so be sensible about it if it means you have to fallow fields then fallow fields but don't put something in the ground that's going to cost you 200 quid to grow and you're only going to get 100 quid back but we are now starting to see 
just as we've said, that top three or four inches of land starting to dry enough now. And that's all we can hope for. The stuff below that may take two or three years to come right. The slump soils underneath, we will have to do take measures and take steps to correct those over the next few years. But for the now, the important thing if we want to get crops in the ground is that top three or four inches. Now the wind has dried a crust onto these fields. The people with the lighter bits of kit, the 130, 150 horsepower tractor, the massive 30 drill with the wheels on the end a light accord carrier drill these are the bits of kit which are enabling people to get out there and drill if you've got heavier kit you're going to have to wait a bit longer but do bear in mind that period is starting to crunch up so the lighter the kit the more likely you are to get it on now there are two things with drilling three things really with drilling any spring cereal crop number one get some nitrogen on the seed bed before you drill or immediately afterward because there won't be any left to get these crops growing and as we move forward soil temperatures are going to increase they're going to need food there to grow with so you need to get that nitrogen on the second thing is if you're putting a pre-emergence herbicide on make sure that you a drill it deep enough and b you get it covered and that's really points two and three the depth is selectivity by depth protection you're protecting the seed by taking it out of the range of the band of herbicide you're putting on and covering it is in order to stop direct contact from things like triolate prosulfocarb flufenacet onto the seed which will be very damaging to that germinating seed so if you're going to put a pre-em on it wants to be 30 to 40 mil deep and well covered covered before you spray it. Also, you need to make sure that the products you're using for pre-emergence herbicides are cleared for use on those crops. Let's just take spring oats out of the equation at the moment. It's way too cold. You need soil temperatures 9 or 10 degrees before you think about putting spring oats in the ground. They need to be in and up, so you're way too early. Spring wheat and spring barley, things like Liberator you can put on spring wheat and spring barley pre-emergence. But you can't put crystal on spring wheat pre-emergence, which is pendomethylene and flufenacet. There is no clearance for it. So if you've got a shed full of crystal, you were going to put it on the winter wheat that you didn't get drilled, and you're just making the assumption, well, it's spring wheat, I'll stick it on that. It's not legal, it's not cleared for use, there's no off-label approval, there's no extension for authorization on minor use. If you've got it picked up in an RPA inspection, you'll lose money, and none of us can afford that to happen. So make sure the products you're using are cleared for use on those. And if it is an EMU, an off-label approval, extension for authorization of minor use you need to print that off and keep that in your file Oilseed rate, very little change this week. The light leaf spot has slightly increased. There's far more uh, rate winter stem weevil showing up in these fields, in some fields more so than cabbage stem flea beetle. And if you've got crops of rate now that you can't see in rows, you know, at this stage of the season, I just question whether it's worth keeping them and persevering with them. Spend as little as possible on those fields because I, it's unlikely that at this stage they're going to make it through to give you your money back. Winter wheat, winter barley, disease levels remain fairly much as they were last week. I'm still not starting t zeros, but I think another week and I will be. So let's see what the next seven days bring and uh, hopefully more of the same weather. Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. Soil health, maximising wheat, barley and oilseed rape yields and the Agriculture Bill were the topics covered at the Louth Technical Arable Evening last week, hosted by Louth Tractors. A summary on the way next and details of an agricultural education bursary scheme open to Rutland residents and our weekly update of the market news and prices with Open Field. The Week in Agriculture. This is the Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Tim Lammyman farms in Lincolnshire. He holds records for wheat and rape yields and we met after the technical evening in Louth last week. Tim, 
with all the weather problems over the last few months, can anything be done to achieve decent yields? Things might look disastrous out there in certain fields and, and, and cropping areas aren't right. Uh, but if you give it enough nutrition in certain times without going overboard and spending excessive amounts, but probably putting somewhere between 30 and 50 pounds a hectare of nutrition in there rather than just fertilising bits and pieces, there's possibilities of pulling crops around and making a gross margin look OK. Obviously, if you've got damage out in the fields and bits and pieces, certain bits are unrectifiable. But if there's enough crop out there, 75 percent plus uh, if you put nutrition in like delta early on you know you've got up to growth stage 31 you can influence root structure still and stem strength and, and evenness of tillers and then moving on if, if you're under sort of water stress or more sunlight stress later on in the season you can probably put stuff like get stress in there to help the plant get through it you know regulate the ethylene production in the plant get the stomata working in conditions that plants normally wouldn't work and that's increasing yields all the time uh, so there's ways to negate the problems out there but certain things you've just got to look at it decide where you want to be with your budget and, and go out there and do things sensibly and like i said certain fields aren't going to be workable until sort of april may time uh, and to me the best gross margins still look to be spring barley if i'm honest um, i still believe there's there's management there in spring barley but barley's like everything else you can't maul it in you, you're in trouble if you're mauling it in uh, but like modern spring barley varieties will drill till uh, first yeah, end of end of april first week of may and put in the sort of nutrition we've just mentioned into there it'll it'll manage to help keep those gross margins right i believe so so there's ways out of this it's just looking at there and deciding what's your best spring crops or, or what what sort of amount of input you need to put into those winter crops but you've achieved some fantastic yields in in wheat and rape tell me a little bit about the yield enhancement network right the, the yield enhancement network was something uh, we entered just to prove what we were doing um there was eight questions marks from adas and bits and pieces so we entered it and and actually it's quite interesting we took quite a lot out of it learning about uh, different levels of nutrition in the crop at different times of the year over the top of what we're doing from leaf testing uh, their grain analysis they've just come up with it's a fantastic way of looking how the crops uh, been through the season and yeah quite enjoyed being in the yield enhancement network but we're looking at different areas and different crop sizes and bits and pieces so so that each thing's varied isn't it if you see where i'm coming from so it's more than just a competition it's actually a sort of a, a learning exercise yeah it's a, it's a fantastic way if you want to understand how wheat crop barley crop oilseed rape crops grow uh, you get a, such a really fantastic overview of how things have gone through the season what's gone wrong on your crop uh, and all those sort of bits is a great insight um, from somebody else that's independent uh, of what's happening through the season and, and probably a fantastic way of, of learning how to maximise yields um, from a, a scientist's point of view maybe not a farmer's Right. you talked about um, smart nutrition in your presentation what did you mean by that? Uh, smart nutrition is basically nutritional products that's going to add something extra other than just nutrition to the plant so we're looking at like a delta product which is doing rooting structures you know cytokine in growth rather than the oxygen growth you get from standard nitrogen uh, products like X-Stress which is putting magnesium, manganese zinc, copper uh, and iron into the plant as well as managing the sort of stomata opening levels in, in ethylene production from, from stresses uh, to cow flux where we're working on uh, the growing points in, in the crops of the flowering points late season uh, if it comes under stress it plant a box and, and you know obviously from the pictures which we can't show today 
by the disintegration of the plant, but applying something like cowflux takes this away, so pod abortion in rape, peas and beans is negated to a main part. It's not completely uh, foolproof, but uh, it, it does help a lot, so you can maintain yields by using those sort of products. So, so that's what I'm talking about, smart nutrition. Adding something, you know, if you're adding calcium in there, you want to add a, a product that actually works and not just a product that's uh, going to drop on the floor, because calcium is one of those really ones. Why would I use calcium on a woldland uh, which is full of calcium? Well, the fact that the plant is so heavy when it's at the, at the major point of the flowering time, it can't suck it up out of the ground. Therefore, we still have to apply calcium at, at certain times of the year to help that plant get through those stressful times. Tim Lammerman, thank you. I've managed to find a slightly quieter spot to talk to Dr Jonathan Holmes of Lordington Park Agronomy. Jonathan, uh, I think we're all aware of the changes proposed in the Agriculture Bill, the reduction of subsidies and so on. What's your key messages to farmers worried about the future? Basically, farming has got to be thinking about maximising profit and not mitigating losses. So we've been led by various industries over the years to have a solution in a can or a bag. And that's unfortunately meant that we've killed the arbuscular mycorrhizal fungi, the, the crucial fungi in the soil, and more reliant on external inputs rather than getting as much as we can out of the soil. And with the government's agriculture bill saying by 2028 we've got to improve the quality of our soils and the sustainability of our soils, we've got to start thinking about how we can manage our soils more effectively. And minimum cultivations is one thing. Cover crops is absolutely vital. But it's just tying the whole package together of soil biology, increasing that, thinking about how the soil and plants interact and then trying to increase our gross margin as a result of that. Sometimes we can't improve our soil any more than uh, is possible, but as long as we've increased a gross margin, that's what, that's what we should be trying to do. Of course, the big word, one single word on just about everybody's mouth is carbon yep. at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, well, look, the problem is that because we've been ploughing soils for too many years, that volatilises carbon into the atmosphere and also kills the liquid carbon, which is the arbuscular mycorrhizal fungi. And we all know there's too much carbon in the atmosphere. Part of the Industrial Revolution, well, without the Industrial Revolution, we wouldn't be here. But a plant is basically a pump for water, absorbs CO2 and then sequesters it in the soil, providing it's grown in the right place at the right time. Now, you talked about being paid for sequestering carbon. Is that a realistic thing? Is that going to happen? How? (laughs) When? (laughs) It's a fantastic idea. Uh, Quantifying it is incredibly difficult because how much carbon have you got? How have we shown that we've improved it? But from a plant's perspective, the plant will naturally tell you that it's healthier. But from a government's perspective, to saying we're sequestering carbon, that's going to be quite a difficult job. But we can do some fairly simple things that will increase the carbon of a soil, but basically always having a green cover in your soil and preferably a graminaceae species. So we sequester all this carbon. What happens to it? The vast majority of it will stay in the soil, providing the plants don't need it. In other words, they're growing in the right place at the right time in the right environment. Uh, the microbes will break some of it down and use them themselves. But like any healthy environment, the more that you can maintain a healthy environment, the carbon basically gets sequestered as calcium carbonate, stays in the soil. Microbes grow their own because they've interacted with the plant exudate on the root. Now, you've spoken this evening about conservation agriculture. What do you mean by that? Uh, Conservation agriculture is a mixture of soil science and crop production. It's rather than thinking about a solution in a can or a bag, it's thinking about your soil type, 
and not light, medium or heavy, but think about your texture group. What's the sand, silt and clay content? How can we actually improve the quality of the soil that we've got? Capture more carbon in the soil because that's the driver. That's the energy for yield and working with what we've got to improve it. And conservation agriculture is that element. And the, the big difference is not in old money yielding four or five tonnes an acre. It's actually increasing your gross margin we need to be thinking about. And it just, it's just a slightly different way of looking at how we make money. That's fundamentally what conservation agriculture is. Doing less to achieve more. Dr Jonathan Holmes and Tim Lammyman, key speakers at last week's Technical Arable Evening, hosted by Louth Tractors. Time now for our weekly look at the grain markets with Kit Dickinson from Openfield. Morning, Kit. Good morning, Steve. I will try and search for something positive to say after the very difficult start of the week in the financial markets. The good news is that if you're looking looking at the morning charts, Asian stocks are now showing some green numbers. Not by much, but they are not 5% down again. You could argue the agricultural commodities fared well compared to everything else. London finished between £1 and £2 lower across the board on Monday. US markets stumbled also. It was rape and soybeans that took the biggest loss. Over €10 down at one point on the French Matif. Again, something positive to say is that the US electronic market are showing some green numbers at the start of the week. The London Liffey finished higher by £2 on old crop and new crop and recovered from Monday's losses by Wednesday. Stocks weren't so successful, losing much of the gains that they had made in the morning by the end of play on Thursday. Russian wheat prices continued to fall as the price war over oil, Saudi Arabia continued to destabilise Russian ruble and increased inflation. Russian prices have come under increasing pressure and Paris wheat is lower. The increased chatter of the decrease in French exports lingers over the market and Russia is the world's largest exporter of wheat and is increasingly competing with Paris for access to the Western Europe market. In summary, the wheat market has been up and down this week due to currency, interest rates and the coronavirus. Oilseed rape has taken a significant price drop by €10.75 this week. It was tricky to get a true value this week. Predictably, buyers sat back prior to the USDA numbers coming out and may do the same next week. Looking at the UK on its own, there are still concerns over the amount of all-seed rape being taken out and how much there will be to harvest. All this uncertainty should, in theory, be adding value to the all-seed rape price. But at the moment, it is standing still. Barley has had a similar week to wheat, but looking forward to next week, the weather for the UK is improving, which could mean that we see a large volume of barley being drilled. It has the potential to have a negative effect on the market as fears of a large barley crop actually come to fruition. Keep an eye on the feed base price this week. 125 could look like a very good price going forward. So moving on to prices this week, feed wheat for March 144 to 145, May 144 to 146 and November 156 to 158. Milling premiums are currently 20 to 22 pounds. Oil seed rate for March is 310 to 312. Exactly the same for May at 312 and November 309 to 311. As you can see, very limited carry going forward in the market. Barley for March is 118 to 120, May 120 to 122, November 126 to 128. Malting premiums are circa £10. Beans for March, feed beans are 233 to 235, May 235 to 240. November 180 to 185. Human consumption premiums for the very best samples are £10 for winters and £20 to £25 for springs. Kit Dickinson from Openfield.
I was contacted the other day by the Emma Molesworth Trust, which provides bursaries to assist with agricultural education for residents of Rutland. They have grants available, but they're finding inquiries and take-ups surprisingly low. Councillor Edward Baines, Chair of the Trustees, explains what the Trust is all about. The original Trust was set up precisely to enable Rutland residents who were in agriculture to go to Nottingham University um, to do that sort of course. Um, Now it has been widened, so it is any relevant course, and more recently it's not just an academic agricultural course, but for instance a chainsaw course or a hedge laying course, um, and these days this really is a short course thing which people, particularly young people, can benefit from. Cost you £700 to do a chainsaw course. We can support that in its entirety. If it's um, an academic course, it's 1500 a year um, for the duration of the course. But it is all agriculture, yeah? It is all agriculture. Um, we've had various things, and we have to draw the line between people who are involved in agriculture and might well want to do something um, that is not strictly agricultural. So we have to look at the criteria for the course um, as, as well as the criteria and you have to be a Rutland resident. Who can, apart from being a Rutland resident, who can actually apply for this? A Rutland resident or somebody who's worked on a farm in Rutland and as far as one could tell is likely to continue working on a farm in Rutland but it, it does have to be within the county boundary. Okay. Any particular age restrictions? or None limits? whatsoever. No, if you want to change your career, <laughs> midlife crisis, you you can you can apply. Has anybody gone on to sort of do great things as a result of the the the, the bursary? Um, the one that I remember is there was a boy with Down syndrome, and he was able to do a two year course, which otherwise he would not have been able to do. And that is the one that sticks in my memory. Um, but there, there have been a number of people who do, um, I mean, I, I trust, become more efficient farmers <laughs> as a result. And if somebody's listening to this and is interested in putting an application in, where should they go? What do they do? Straight to um, the Redland County Council at Catmus um, and either email or phone or in person, they will put you through to the, the right person, the officer who, who deals with it. We then, we have in fact um, at the moment um, six monthly meetings to decide, but if something comes in, in between time, we circulate it among the, the trustees. Um, and the NFU is represented on that. Um, one of the uh, training bodies is represented on that, as well as three of us who are county councillors. There's full details, including how to apply, on the website rutland.gov.uk. Just search for Emma Molesworth Trust. And so to the farming weather. There's another weather front with low pressure coming in today, which looks set to be rather active. Cloud ahead of it, brighter behind. Showers for the rest of the day today. Moderate westerly winds and a high of 9 Celsius. That rain will fade away by late evening, turning the night cold again under partly clear skies. Lows of 2 Celsius.
For the week ahead, have a good brighter and drier week. on Monday with light westerly winds of around 10 to 12 miles per hour, highs of 10. The rest of the week shows little rain, moderate southwesterly winds veering to northerly on Thursday and Friday, mild on Tuesday and Wednesday, turning colder by the end of the week with temperatures not much above 5 or 6 on Thursday and Friday. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Steve Orchard. Back same time next week. Don't forget you can listen to The Farming Programme anytime via the podcast section of the website or on the app. Have a good farming week.